0: I have shared with you all before that um, I became—I didn't grow up going to church, just as I mentioned a moment ago. Uh, I actually made the decision, as best I could, to follow Christ when I was uh, in the fall of my junior year playing high school football. But what I probably never told you before was this. Once I made the decision to be a follower of Christ, I had no idea where to go from there because I didn't go to church and because I didn't have... A lot of Christian friends. All I knew was that I was I wanted to love Jesus. I just didn't know how to do it, and and I didn't have anybody to help me to know how to do it. I just knew that I did. Well, I want to start today by uh, telling you a story. What happened one night? I was it was um, like in the winter of my junior year in high school, and I I remember this night as though it was yesterday. Uh, We had just finished supper at my house, and we were, um, I had went to my bedroom to do some homework for uh, some assignment I knew that was due the next day, when there was a, uh, a knock at our door. And my mom went to the door, and standing there at the door was this uh, short little chubby guy who was balding, and he introduced himself as the new associate pastor at the Methodist church in town. His name was Stan Wearson. And he comes, so my mom invites everybody in. She's going, oh my gosh, the preacher's here. You guys ever do that? Like, oh, it's the preacher. And so she invites everybody into the living room and we sat down. And, and uh, he explains that um, he had just been in the neighborhood. And he, see, even though we didn't grow up going to church, we were like a lot of other people. We had our names on the roll at the Methodist Church. And he had seen our names on the roll And he had decided to come and introduce himself to us, and then also to invite my brother and I to um, attend youth group the next Sunday night. Um, It was just a whim, really, that he stopped. That's the way he described it. Little did I know that that night um, would be the genesis of one of the most important relationships of my life which is kind of ironic and weird because Stan Wearson and I had absolutely nothing in common. He, we were of different generation, obviously. Um, his uh, interests were completely opposite of my interests. He was a musician and I was a jock, or at least I thought I wanted to be a jock. And there was, we just, I, there, when you step back and you look at it, there was nothing that would have said these two are going to be friends. But the, the good thing was, the godly thing was that Stan was able to look beyond our differences and he made the decision that night that he was going to pour into my life, that he was going to invest into my life. Um, which is a good thing because I'm not sure, had he not, I, I had already started to feel that warmth that I had had with, when I made my decision for Christ, I had already started to, to feel it, the light began to go out. And because he decided to pour into relationship with me, um, I think I'm standing here before you today. I share that with you because, now some of you are saying, well, oh, that's a sweet story, right? Because But you're thinking, that's what preachers are supposed to do. Right, preachers are supposed to stop by people's houses every now and then. People are, preachers are supposed to invest in other people's lives to help them to know Jesus, and that's true. But listen to me. I want you to know something about my friend Stan. He was doing that even before he was a preacher. In a previous life, he had been a band director in um, I think Iowa Falls or something. Do you know Keith? Was it that word? He, he anyway, and even as a band director, just as a guy. A Christian guy, he was choosing to invest into people's lives so that they might come to know and to fall in love with Jesus. My point is that, yes, it is the preacher's job to do that. But it's your job too. It's our job. It is fundamentally one of the most important callings that a Christian has is to invest in other people's lives so that we might have a basis by which we can, we can share Christ with them. Last week, if you were with us, you'll know that we, I invited you all on a journey um, that is intended to equip us. It's a journey between now and Easter, and it's a journey that is intended to equip us with the skill, the tools, whatever word you want to apply to it, so that we might Um, live out that calling uh, as effectively as possible. Because what I know is that sharing faith, with, sharing Jesus with someone, is one of the scariest things that that Christians have facing them. We feel ill-equipped. We feel like we can't do it. We feel it's going to be awkward. Just all those things we talked about last week. this next few weeks is intended to help get you over that hump. To help you embrace that calling and to equip you to do it in a way, to demystify the whole thing in a way that will help you to just say, this is who I am and who God wants to be in me. So if you're willing to join with me on that journey, I invite you to open up your Bibles to that scripture that... uh, that Hannah read for us today in the Gospel of Luke chapter 5. And as I try to do every week, I'm going to give you a little bit of history or background of what was going on uh, in, that sets up that, that little passage. Here in Luke chapter 5, what we find is Jesus out preaching. Again, that's not uncommon, right? You look throughout the Gospel, Jesus is out preaching all the time. And He's out preaching, and on this particular day, He has uh, gathered quite a crowd, which wasn't unusual either. But this was what was unique about this particular instance. He was on the shores, as he was preaching, he was on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and the people who were listening to his message about the good news of God were so hungry for this good news that they were pressing in on him to the point that he was about to be pushed into the, into the sea. And he looks around and he goes, Geez, this is awesome! But I'm about to get wet. So he looks over to the side and he sees a, a boat floating on the edge on the shore that was owned by a guy named Simon. Now I'm going to stop right there for just a second, because you need to I'm going to give you a character sketch of this guy named Simon. It's Simon Peter, by the way, if you're wondering. Um, but let me tell you, all these people that you read about in the Bible have personalities. Did you know that? And if you read closely enough, you begin to see, you can create. You, uh, a character sketch for these people. So let me give you a character sketch of Simon because that's going to be important as you hear the rest of the story. Simon, he was one of those guys that you, you see what you get or you get what you see, right? So he wore his emotions on his sleeves. He was kind of, a, he had a big personality. He was uh, uh, loud and bombastic, all right? You, ever, you know anybody like that? might have somebody like that sitting next to you. I don't know. So this was Simon's personality. Anyway, Jesus, here in Luke chapter 5, Jesus looks over and sees that boat. Simon sitting in the boat, and he says, dude, can I borrow your boat for a minute? Now imagine, his big bombastic personality, natural leader. He says, well, you might as well. It sure isn't doing me any good. Now, I'll tell you why he responded like that in just a minute, but I, what I want you to hear is the, the personality in him, okay? Well, shoot, you might as well take the boat. It sure isn't doing me any good. So Jesus jumps into the boat, and he says, would you put off just a little bit? And he did, and Jesus finishes his sermon. Now, I don't want to downplay what the sermon was, but that wasn't the most important part of this story. Um, that's not unusual, by the way. Sometimes when you come to church, the most important part isn't, the sermon, but things that happen because you came to hear the sermon. All right? Jesus finishes the sermon and He makes a decision. You see, at this particular point, He could have very easily have turned to Simon and said, thank you so much for letting me use your boat and then been off on His way, right? But instead, He makes the decision to invest in Simon. In um, Luke chapter 4 verse... uh, chapter 5 verse 4 he says to Simon, he says uh, listen, I want you to to push off into the deeper water and let down your nets. And then again remember the big bombastic personality of Simon? He says... What are you talking about? I've been out fishing all night long and haven't caught one fish. That's why I let you use the boat. And it wasn't doing me any good. But under his breath, he's, and under his breath, he's probably saying, "Why should I listen to this guy? He's a preacher. They don't know anything. Certainly not about fishing, right, Randy?" But instead, he humors him, right? And he puts out into the deep water. He lets down his nets. And what happens? They get so many fish, it threatens to break the boat. Now, I want to stop right there for just a second and get you to appreciate what just happened there. The first thing I will say to you is that up to this point in the gospel story, you go back and read. If up to this point in the gospel story, There is no indication that Jesus knows anything or cares anything about fishing. After this, there's quite a bit, but up to this point, there's nothing. I mean, he's just like Megan said. He's a carpenter. He's not a fisherman. He's a carpenter. So we have the no idea. He he doesn't. It's not his deal. But what he knows is this: it's a big deal to Simon. Fishing is a big deal to Simon, and. Simon is a big deal to him. So what does he decide to do? He decides to use fishing to build a relationship with this guy. Now something else I'll have you notice. How did I start this story? On the, sea of, uh, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, big crowd surrounding them. As he's preaching the gospel, who was not in that crowd? Simon Peter was not in that crowd. I have this sense that he wasn't wasn't interested in listening to what Jesus had to say. He was more interested in the fact that he'd been out all night and hadn't caught a fish. And it wasn't until Jesus said, I'm going to pour into your life that he was willing to listen. Listen. And because Jesus was willing to pour into a relationship with Simon, he was able then to listen, and he made the decision then to say, I'm going to give my whole life to this message of the good news that that you just shared with me. Because all the while they were out fishing, they weren't just fishing. What were they doing? They were talking. They were getting to know each other. they were building a foundation. And as they were building that foundation, Jesus turns to him and he says, you know what? I know you're a fisherman and I'm going to, if you want, I can make you a fisher of men. He wouldn't have listened to that two hours before. But he was willing to listen because They were in relationship. You see how important that is? So the point of all this is quite simple. No one is going to argue with the fact that one of the fundamental um, responsibilities, privileges of a Christian is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world. Nobody argues with that. But what I'm here to tell you is that the first step of fulfilling that call is not just to walk right up to someone and say, let me tell you about Jesus. The first step is to walk right up to someone and say, I'd like to get to know you. The first step is to build relationship. The first step is to let that person know that you care about them. You want to know, what, what are your dislikes and dislikes? And tell me about your family. What do you do for a living? And then you need to stop and say, allow them to ask the same, so they can get to know you too. And it's only once you've, you've shared in relationship building, once you've shared your story and they've shared their story, it's only then that you should take the opportunity to share God's story. That's called three-story evangelism, by the way. And it's something we're going to get into as we uh, continue on our journey a little more deeply. Again, the point is this. For any of this to really work effectively, it needs to be done in the midst of relationship. There's no doubt that people um, experience the love of God on a football field. I did. People sometimes are first exposed to the gospel message by listening to a sermon uh, on a podcast somewhere. That happens all the time. But the fact of the matter is, it isn't until they find themselves in relationship that the message, relationship with someone who can help them and, and love them and, and walk with them, that that message takes hold. It isn't until someone decides to take you fishing or randomly decides to stop by your house some night and say, Hi, let me introduce myself. So who, who is that someone? Someone? Who does that kind of stuff? Well, God hopes you do. And it all starts by being willing to be in relationship with somebody to care about them. And then being sensitive and listening to when the Holy Spirit opens up opportunities for for sharing the things that The thing that makes the ultimate difference. That someone that makes an ultimate difference is you. Or it should be. And it all starts by taking somebody fishing. Let's pray.